0: Hello and welcome to today's episode. Today I'm going to be joined with Maria Jones and we're going to be talking about yoga beginners, try chair yoga. Super excited to jump into this topic today. You are listening to creating wellness from within a podcast devoted to helping you live your best life through self care and wellness. In each episode, we strive to offer you actionable advice and tools to help you with your journey towards greater personal wellness. I am your host, Amy Zellmer. I am editor-in-chief of Minnesota Yoga and Life magazine and the Brain Health magazine. Additionally, I've published five books on the topic of brain injury and concussion, which are all available on Amazon. I am passionate about yoga, wellness, photography, travel, and all things glittery. You can learn more about me at creatingwellnessfromwithin.com. Today, my guest is Maria Jones, and she is a health professional chair yoga specialist and author of the Chair Yoga Handbook. She loves seeing how chair-based yoga makes the practice of yoga accessible to those older, less able, and chronically ill, contributing positivity in their lives and the wider community. Welcome to the podcast, Maria. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for
1: inviting me. And I am really happy to be here sharing everything chair yoga with you.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, I was on your podcast a few months ago. um, And so I'm excited to have you here on mine. um, And just talking all about chair yoga. I'm so passionate about chair yoga. I just love getting this message out there. You know, I think there's this misconception that chair yoga is just for like the elderly. <laughs> it's like, no, it's just, it can benefit everybody. And people are so, I don't know if a is the right word, but they're, they're hesitant to try yoga because all they see are these images of people in these great big bendy poses that the average person can't get into. And it's like, no, that doesn't have to be yoga. That doesn't have to be your yoga. So yeah
1: ultimately yoga is a spiritual practice yeah. uh, so it doesn't matter whether it is done on the mat or on the chair mm-hmm. the beauty of the poses is in fact uh twofold one is something that can keep our physical body healthy and two uh it can basically get us to a place where we can sit comfortably and meditate, which is the Mm -hmm. ultimate goal of the practice of yoga. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people may find that uh, the movement benefits them greatly, muscle strength, flexibility, and all all that jazz, shall we say.
0: Uh,
1: And some people just do it because it brings comfort to their body. And it allows them to find stillness in their mind. And it makes perfect sense. If we are not comfortable sitting down, laying down, whatever we choose to do, then it is very unlikely to come to a place of stillness, which is um, really yoga. Yoga is the cessation of pretty much everything without the use of drugs or sleep. So there you go. (laughs) Um, If we can ever get to that we need to find stillness but before stillness there is comfort because without comfort there is not stillness so uh, you know without trying to say that um uh, chair yoga is just for meditation what i'm trying to say is that it allows us to be on the path of yoga and the practice of yoga uh, Without having to worry about getting down to the floor, whether that is because we are not able to get down to the floor, injuries, illness, um, age, whatever, or because we don't want to. Because quite a lot of people find it significantly more convenient to just, like me here, sitting in front of a desk, push myself away from the desk still still sitting on a chair but still be able to introduce a little mini movement break shall we say yoga break and find comfort in my body and basically feel better in myself and continue with my work and everything else that I'm doing that day so it is still yoga as i already explained but at the same time there is a very good element of convenience and accessibility
0: yeah. Yeah, you know, and I've heard so many people um other yoga teachers I know and they're like, "Yeah, I have a student out for at least 8 weeks. She like tore her ACL or had ankle surgery or whatever." And I'm like, "Put him in a chair. Get him in a chair. They don't have to have weight bearing. They can sit and do they can still fully practice a yoga class just sitting in the chair instead of you know, worrying about the weight bearing on their knee or their ankle or whatever that injury is. Um, yeah, it's so funny many. people peach- said that because yeah,
1: I had I have been bitten by a dog back in two thousand and seven, and at the time, the yoga teacher I was practicing with uh, posted uh, an asana practice through my letterbox, and all of it was standing. Um, I'm surprised that it hasn't. You know, it didn't even then taken over the world to say, by the way, you can practice on the chair. Um, And, you know, when I finally did my specific chair yoga teacher training, my mind was literally blown of the
0: possibilities. There isn't anything you cannot do
1: on the chair. So it's great.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think so many teachers just have never experienced chair yoga. So if you don't know it exists, how could you ever think to, to put your student in a chair, right? And so that's why I think the work that you're doing, um, people like Jivana Heyman, the accessible yoga teacher, um, Diane Bondi. You know, I think there's there's so many great people out there who are now sharing chair yoga. And Christine Weber is another one that comes to mind. Oh, I hear a pupper, <laughs> um, and where people are becoming experienced to chair yoga. They're at least seeing it, you know, like Jivana is always posting um, reels, sh- sharing different chair yoga. Like he, he does the side-by-sides so that somebody, <laughs> we had a doggy. I love having dogs on zoom. Um, so he shares a shot a side-by-side of someone doing a great, big, beautiful pose. And he's doing it at the same time in the chair. So I think we're starting to normalize it and people are starting to see it and become inquisitive about it. Um, and we're just taking that stigma away that it's just for the elderly, right? Yeah, uh,
1: I completely agree with you. Uh, and that's what I was going to say that a lot of people think that it is a lesser form of yoga when ultimately there isn't such thing. There isn't yes. a hierarchy of poses. There isn't a no. hierarchy of practices, uh, it is still the practice. And that's why we call it practice, because there is yeah. no such thing as, you know, the ultimate goal. If you think of the ultimate goal of yoga, which is ultimately stillness of the mind and everything, it can't really be achieved. We may experience moments of it, but, uh, you know, it's that's why there is no hierarchy. It is just a mm-hmm. practice. And one day we might experience... glimpse of it then that's good so yeah sorry (laughs) it just it doesn't puzzle me because it doesn't puzzle me that people think that it is a lesser form that there is stigma surrounding it but at the same time I think that it is justified considering what is portrayed in the press Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. absolutely yeah we see these big huge poses that the average person can't achieve, right? And that's what kind of deters people from trying yoga because they're like, I could never do that. And you're like, you're not, you don't have to do that ever. <laughs> you know, you don't have to do any pose you don't like. And um another um thing that I've been instilling in my students is like there should never be pain in yoga. Right. Like the the um the phrase of like no pain no gain right like in the workout world the fitness world that doesn't apply to yoga you should never experience pain discomfort is okay right like a little bit of discomfort like that muscle's going oh i haven't done this in a while um that's okay but pain right we don't want pain um and i know a lot especially as we get older a lot of people experience some pain getting down or up off the floor. Um, And the chair can take that variable out. Yep.
1: I mean, we are talking to the converted here, you and me. I know.
0: I know. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, So tell us, Maria, a little bit about your book. So you published the chair yoga handbook last october roughly
1: september yeah at the end at the beginning of october uh, middle of september on my website and then uh, beginning of october uh, on amazon it is a self-published book for yoga teachers where i pretty much put my chair yoga teacher training in the book for people to consume in a different form. And that was very important to me because I wanted yoga teachers to be aware that there is another way to practice. Uh, Because there will be times when the students are injured and you can't send them out of the door, you still can have a tool in your tool, in your yoga teaching tool bag that can assist you in incorporating everybody in your practice. I also wanted to um, make it a little bit more obvious that there is another way to practice out there in the world. And I believed that by targeting yoga teachers with my book, I would have a greater reach through their students as well, which, I, which is the other reason why I wrote the book specifically for yoga teachers, presenting them with a very convenient way to design and sequence chair yoga classes that removes the overwhelm of designing classes. They may even take that framework taught in the book into their own classes and think of it as a way that they can use to even target their students' imbalances. So in the heart of the book and in the heart of chair yoga is adaptation. And as you may found out from trainings that you did with uh, Vini yoga teachers, like you have before, adapted yoga teacher background, they will tell you that it is more uh, adaptation is more than accessibility adaptation can be used to target imbalances as well which i also wanted to filter through the book as well a little bit uh, in order to you know help people understand that you can do pretty much everything on the chair and help those that can't get to the floor in your classes or even you know start hosting a fully seated chair yoga class um for those who are chronically ill or older or less able and Mm -hmm. it is important that people do that because in my experience and in the almost six years now of teaching chair yoga in the last three years in fact almost solely and exclusively chair yoga. I found out that it is a place where people meet, where they discuss, where they yes. have a cup of tea afterwards, where they socialize. It is a an excuse to come together, and that can have extreme benefit. Well, extreme. It can have. It can be very beneficial for yes. people like me. I am chronically ill, that can be stuck in the house because they're too tired to go out or too unwell. And they don't feel like, I mean, I have felt like a freak going out and not drinking because I was taking painkillers. It was, you know, that time in my life where all my young peers were drinking and partying. And I wanted to go out with them, but I couldn't take part. And I felt totally like a sore thumb sticking out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's just what it is. But you feel, you normalize your experience as a chronically ill person, when you are amongst people who experience something similar to you, and it helps you realize quite often that you're not alone, that there is support, that you can also manage this. And that's very, very important in their psychology, in their well-being also. So yeah, I wrote the book, specifically for yoga teachers in the hope that they can help their students and get the word out that chair yoga is a wonderful way to access the practice of yoga and utilize it to target other imbalances. Mm
0: -hmm. And um, as we were beginning, um, you had said something that made me think of the quote, um, motion is lotion." So moving our bodies, right? Just any form of movement keeps our joints lubricated. And um, I just literally just this morning, I saw somebody post that her mom said, when you sit, you rust. And I was like, yeah. Oh, that's a great analogy. I'd never heard that one before. And it kind of goes right with that motion is lotion. Um and so getting movement in your body, even if you're not able, like I have so many friends and I'm, I'm in the brain injury community and there's so many people who just can't really stand for very long. Like they have, um, autonomic dysregulation and they start getting lightheaded or woozy and, and, um, people who've had physical injuries with their brain injury and, Um, literally can't stand up, right? Like unassisted. And there's just so much benefit to being in a chair and moving. And I know in my chair yoga practice, at the end of class, we do like our forward folds, we do our leg stretches, we stretch our hamstrings, all seated in the chair. It's, It's the same thing. We're just mirroring what you would do on the floor.
1: Exactly. And I love seeing yoga teachers posting stuff about chair yoga but none of that extreme backbends and stand on the chair mm. stuff because <laughs> there is that Right, Because right, well.
0: that version of chair yoga. Yes. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. There's like I think it's called a Kundalini chair where it doesn't oh, have power the power chair in. or
1: something like that. Something like, like
0: that. And like they're doing handstands and headstands with the chair. And it's like, okay, that's not what we are talking about with chair yoga. <laughs> it is one no, form, but not how we're using it. Exactly.
1: And what I find also is that those that uh, are fearful of standing because of injury or because of uh, an ability, a limited ability they may gain confidence to do so within the chair yoga class. And that is significantly more evident for older adults who may have experienced a fall and have lost confidence in standing. So having the security and the safety of the chair can provide slowly confidence in them getting out and about, which is very important for their well-being also. So whether it is brain injury, whether it is multiple sclerosis, because a lot of my multiple sclerosis students can't stand for very long at all. Whether it is older adults that have experienced a fall, the chair can be there for your support, your security and safety, I guess, in the practice of yoga as well. And it just makes things so much more, in my opinion, meaningful. What we do in chair yoga classes Sometimes does not resemble those very big back bends or stretches, but it does resemble real life. It's mm-hmm. about reaching up, reaching down, tying your shoes, getting dressed, Functional. feeding yourself, remaining independent through later life and getting out and about and having the strength and flexibility to do so is part of doing that also.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Functional movements. Um, totally. And I know we do a lot of hip work in my classes, keeping those hips moving, hip mobility. Um, I've started doing um, the sit to stand and then sit and stand. Um, that's a great one. And. and people are noticing they're like oh I'm not very good at this and I'm like well you will get stronger the more we do this and and not everybody can sit to stand so they just do the arm motions with us and um and another thing I want to talk about too is like visualization so individuals because in the brain injury community we also have a lot of spinal cord injuries and so they might be paralyzed from the waist down or chest down And just visualizing that they're moving their legs with or their feet or their toes, whatever we're working on, can have such a powerful um, effect. And anyone who's ever heard of mirror therapy, um, like for stroke patients, like you lose function of like one side of your body and you use a mirror. So your brain thinks that that side of your body is moving. Like it's so powerful um, in recovery.
1: On my uh, first uh... Nor a second, one of the teacher trainings. Anyway, at the beginning of the training, we were talking about feet and toes. And Evie said to me, oh, Maria, can you lift your toes and spread them out? And then she showed me to do all sorts of little things with my toes. And honestly, they were not moving. They were stuck in my shoes, whether I was wearing shoes or not. So I started slowly visualizing that my toes were moving. And after the 20 days I was there with Evie, I managed to actually get all those little things done but you have to visualize the movement before you do it Mm -hmm. and it is very powerful I believe it is very powerful because I experienced in a different way but I also think that if that function is lost it's probably still present in the brain you used to be able to do it and therefore there will be some benefit in visualizing it
0: yeah Mm -hmm. And while, you know, someone who is, you know, literally paralyzed will probably never be able to move their feet again, but just have visualization of moving their feet gives their body that sensation of grounding and stability. Um, so it can be so powerful.
1: Yeah, and, and yeah. they can even sit up tall. I was going to say stand up tall, but honestly, there is, they mm-hmm. find openness and length and, mm-hmm. uh, and a better posture as well by visualizing that. Um you you know, they're saying you have to see it to believe it. <laughs> yes, I think it's exciting. You have to see it in your brain. and yes. believe it's happening and it is happening. Um, our brain is a wonderful tool.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, neuroplasticity is a huge buzzword in the brain injury community and, and just in the aging community in general. I mean, once you've hit 25, your brain is in decline your brain is no longer developing it's declining so once you're 25 you need to be thinking about aging and neuroplasticity and um, movement and contralateral movements and bilateral movements and we can do all that in the chair it's so amazing and also by moving our
1: um bodies in different ways than a regular way yoga poses are are not regular ways sometimes of moving our body we create new neural pathways that help us retain that cognitive reserve we gained up until the age of 25 so and there are so many other things we can do mudras are great Uh, Mm. our fingers have sixteen thousand nerve endings or something like that so by simply even tapping our fingers or doing something funky with our fingers uh, can activate the brain in different ways and again, work towards cognitive reserve. And it is a great way to get started with yoga. In fact, hand yoga you can do it on the chair again. Yeah. And it's a great yeah. way to get started with yoga with all the poses because some of them can be very strong. Uh, but utilizing the chair, a lunge is a very good example in this. It's a very big pose, a lunge. But if you start doing it on the chair, you will find a position that works for you. And then work with the hips a little bit more. Then find greater range of motion. Uh, goddess some of the wide leg poses uh, when they're done on the chair they feel better more stable uh, some poses such as uh, standing poses utilizing the chair feel better because the block the yoga blocks we use they're not very big but the chair is quite big yeah. and you know i have for all the years I've practiced yoga, I could never do twisted triangle. Maybe my body is not meant to do that. I don't know. But <laughs> utilizing the chair allows me to get into that pose and experience the benefits. And there are poses that can be utilized even as a beginner to remove the element of balance, as we said at the beginning, um, and help you feel the pose. Uh, Floating moon is one of them. And again, the yoga block is not big enough for for that pose. And opening up across uh, can help you radiate, as we call it, extend in all corners of the body and reach out and feel that energetic invite into your body and help you feel better about yourself. So there's so many benefits of actually getting started with yoga and on the chair, and then maybe even moving to the floor because the flexibility and range of motion will increase, you will build strength. Like the sit to stand is typically a squat. Not many people can squat, knees, hips, arms. There's so much going on in the classic squat pose, in the class chair yoga pose. So learning to sit down and sit back up, then it's going to be tap the chair, come back up. Maybe you just float. Maybe you can use a stool and squat all the way down to the stool. Who knows? But all I'm trying to say is that it teaches us to move beautifully before we even take on um, what is considered yoga by the media and the press at the moment.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you just made such a good point of like, there's so many variations, right? Mm -hmm. There's just not one single way to do something and finding what works for you. And, you know, I know going back 20 years or so ago, when I started yoga, and if you, if your teacher um, would say something like, and if you're not comfortable doing this pose, you can just stay in child's pose. And it's like, some people would be in child's pose the whole (laughs) hour of class. And child but pose, even child's pose, pose
1: is a massive pose. How many That's people have you say. actually seen with their butt on their heels? <laughs> I excuse the word, but I have not seen very many people that can actually sit comfortably in child's pose. It requires a huge amount of lower back flexibility, a huge amount of cord flexibility, and hip flexibility. People, the experience of a young person, shall we say, of you guys entirely different to somebody my age, and I'm 45, when the menopause hits and the hips decided to go, no, I don't think so today. When (laughs) the IT band starts hurting, when uh, you start getting plantar fasciitis for no reason whatsoever, when uh, your shoulders say, I don't think so, the handstand wasn't for you today. Uh, So all those things regardless whether you want to or not degenerate and there we need to accept that the chair is not a lesser form of practice and therefore we can continue practicing into ripe old age using the chair um Uh, You know, but I have not seen very many people my age using the chair, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. unless they have, uh, they are living with a chronic condition, um, which is a little bit sad. I want to see the chair in the normal, like the same way we offer straps and blocks and blankets in a yoga class. I also want them to have little chairs in the corner and say, if you need one, go and grab one. (laughs) So, there.
0: yeah. And, you know, going back to using the chair as a prop. Um, I recently had a woman comment on one of my posts about how she's six foot tall. And I'm only five, six. But even even so, like you said, the block is only how tall is a block? Six,
1: eight inches? Maybe like twenty-five centimeters or ten inches, eleven yeah. at most.
0: Um, glad you could convert. Um, <laughs> um, and so it's not even that much of a help if and so if you're six foot tall that's not giving you enough support in trying to get into a pose and so um I was like oh I never would have thought of that right like if you don't ever experience it you don't always know it and you know for me when I was younger I had to modify poses because my boobs got in the way and the teacher was like why are you doing your pose like that and I'm like Cause these get in the way <laughs> and she's like i oh, i never would have thought of that so i anything above double d you mind? <laughs> <yeah. laughs> i feel it <laughs> yep yep and and i live in a bigger body now and like belly gets in the way too i mean there's just there's just stuff that gets in the way sometimes and so the chair makes it easier so,
1: it does it it offers the space uh it holds space for us as well hmm. it holds us up it is a magnificent prop, and that's the way we need to think about it. That the chair yeah. is simply another yoga prop, and yes, you can center your class around that prop and base your class around that prop. Which is why I call chair yoga normally chair based yoga, because mm. I'm really basing the whole practice around it. Uh, but you know, chair yoga, chair based yoga is a no less form. It is exactly no. the same as a normal. In fact, I had somebody. Oh, should I say this or not? But I had somebody complain. They attended one of my workshops and she said, Oh, you just showed us how to use the chair as a prop. You know, the whole the <laughs> workshop. I'm not sure I got so much out of it. I'm like, I didn't respond. I was like, Yeah. That's
0: the whole point. Yes. You missed the point. <laughs> yeah. Am I the
1: only one? Uh, after, you know, and, and because and of the time, that's you ableism. Know, you
0: work- Yeah. You know, that's ableism. Exactly. She's able bodied and probably doesn't know anyone who's not able-bodied and can't quite comprehend why we would do a whole practice of the chair. Until
1: you start teaching chair yoga, um, you won't understand what the challenges yeah. of your students are. And nobody expects you to. Uh, as a yoga teacher, though, you need to cultivate that attitude that there is no right or wrong way to yeah. do things. Yes, practice that's what yoga is simply what all about.
0: No judgment,
1: no judgment. Yeah, we cultivate
0: that attitude
1: for many reasons, because say that you're working with people who have brain injury, they may have bouts of anger and frustration in that. And that is not their fault. There is something neurologically there, like in Tourette's or something like that. That may trigger them and they will not have impulse control, shall we say? Yoga can allow them to cultivate that, yes, but you as a yoga teacher hold space for them to cultivate that attitude. The same can happen with people who are living with dementia that impulse control is gone and there is frustration because they don't feel understood or met. And that can be easily the case for somebody. I have been taken out of a shop, a shop of a pharmacy, chemist, whatever you call them, uh, one time when my medication, after leaving my prescription there for two weeks, wasn't ready. I said, I ordered the prescription online. I handed it in online. And two weeks later, I came to collect it, having forgotten that I have handed it in and it's not ready. And now you're blaming me for not coming to collect it on time. Anyway, so that scenario escalated. And I took two step backs and started shouting at her. (laughs) Anyway, unacceptable to shout at her, but the frustration (laughs) is real. And we need to be in a position where we take ownership of what we do and either absorb it or just let it happen and settle without any escalation further than that. People will do that from frustration, because they can't take part, because they feel excluded, because there is so many things happening. So as yoga teachers, the most important part of teaching is in fact, cultivating that attitude of acceptance and non-judgment. And we have to do it for ourselves as well in our practice, cultivate that sense of acceptance for each pose. Every day will be different than the next. In fact, if you practice in the morning, you're less flexible than when you practice in the evening. So (laughs) just as a thing, and and every practice will feel different. And that's the whole idea of it. The simple awareness that we know is an achievement. So just set goals when you're starting up with yoga that have no uh, pose hierarchy, no practice hierarchy, no expectations of yourself. And you're just cultivating acceptance for how you feel, knowing that the yoga teacher that stands opposite you has those uh, empathetic, uh, has that yeah. empathetic attitude as well, and can provide you with modifications using the chair, hopefully, <laughs> that you can uh, do to practice yoga, to continue practice yoga with everyone. Um, yeah. I don't know how we ended up at that place of this conversation, but basically there is so much judgment towards yoga yeah. unknowingly to everybody. Mm. It is, uh, It comes from an able body perspective mostly. And us going out there and spreading the word that there is another way to practice, that there is another way to get started with yoga, there is another way to do this is very, very important.
0: Yeah, very much so. And I like how you say it's not, it's not less than, it's not a less than form. Not at all. So Maria, let's take a moment to uh, talk about your website and wherever you're listening, you can find it in the show notes, but it's yuvayoga.co.uk. So tell us a little bit about what they can find, how they can work with you, where they can find your book. On the website,
1: uh, there's of course menus of everything, but uh, if you wanted something entirely free, there's the chair yoga toolkit that gives you the skeleton uh, in a way of what is included in the chair yoga handbook. of course, when you land on my website, you see the chair Yoga Handbook, um, you know, as an option. Um, that's what it is about. Everything is centered around that. And that's why I wrote it. But there is also free offerings. There is also a free offering about uh, Yoga for Dementia. There is a little free webinar. And guide that you can utilize to start thinking about teaching yoga for people living with dementia and the chair yoga toolkit will get you thinking about teaching chair yoga if you want to then go further you get the handbook and then from the handbook there's trainings mini trainings and bigger trainings that can be attended at very reasonable prices if i don't say so myself so on the website there is plenty to explore and um I have a little talk coming up next week, although I know this podcast will be a lot later on in the year, but uh, there is always some free webinar that I host myself. I'm pretty generous on the amount of information I'm giving out because I feel that every yoga teacher should start considering chair yoga as part of their skills and skills they need to develop. Uh, so go on, grab the freebies, see what you think uh, on yoga.co.uk, and hopefully get started with teaching chair yoga.
0: And where can they find you on Instagram? I know on Instagram you share lots of posts. reels.
1: <laughs> Instagram is my very favorite platform to share stuff with.
0: Mine too. Because
1: when I do it on my Facebook page, it doesn't feel as personal as instagram does instagram i know who comments on my page well on facebook yes you see the likes and you see the comments but you don't see the same interaction so instagram is my favorite way to share things and um i love it because of the way the feed is there's so much so many reasons to love instagram so um yes yuva yoga uk is my handle And you can follow me there. Facebook is the same, Yuva Yoga UK, all one word, no gaps. Uh, If you type that in, it'll come up. And yeah, follow us. There is a chair yoga group that I use also to keep my, um, my students and audience updated as well for the free webinars, for the stuff that is happening within Yuva Yoga, but mostly it's uh, a place for you to land where you can start thinking about utilizing the chair in your classes.
0: Awesome. Well, Maria, this has been such a great conversation. And I really do recommend anyone out there who is interested in learning more about chair yoga to get your handbook because it is really well done. You have a lot of great information in it. And there just aren't a lot of books out there on chair yoga specifically. So thank you so much for sharing that with the world.
1: Thank you so much for having me on the podcast and providing the opportunity to spread the word about chair yoga.
0: Absolutely. And thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Please consider leaving a five-star review wherever you're listening to help others on their own wellness journey discover the podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day, everyone. And I will see you in the next episode.